Welcome to the Void Light Sci-Fi Podcast. This is a return to podcasting in a way that's different for me. Um, it's my first time using Anchor, so I'm hoping that I will enjoy using it as much as you do. On this episode, we're going to talk about Star Trek, the original series. I'm sorry, but I'm not afraid to say I don't I don't fuck with the, the new stuff. Like, it's, it's too... Uh, it's hard to explain because it this, when you follow where Star Trek has kind of gone, where it's drifted from the original series with uh, Captain Kirk, William Shatner, and uh, William uh, Leonard Nimoy uh, as Spock, um, it is interesting to 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 know that the show has gone from a more focused vibe on like a heroic or mythic journey um more of like a focus on captain kirk and captain kirk's journey and how he leads the enterprise and the decisions that he makes and sort of the introspective of the character you know sort of revealing itself um, from captain kirk's decisions and i think as you move forward through like the productions of Star Trek shows, you find that like, you know, you know, if it's Star Trek Voyager, you are not Voyager. Um, I guess that's the new one, isn't it? Uh, the next generation that has a more lean still on character, but it's more broad. I feel like, and they're not exploring, you know, the, as the original series isn't exploring necessarily like Sulu and Sulu's decisions necessarily creating character for him or creating any sort of character arcs. Um, but in the next generation, I notice that the way uh, Jean-Luc Picard interacts with people helps them to inform their decisions and they end up doing something that inevitably changes their character. But I feel like the original series has a more focus on sort of static peripheral characters as opposed to, you know, the, the chemical romance almost of Spock and uh, Captain Kirk. You know, that that is I, – I can't even speak on the acting. That is an exceptional performance. Every single episode is so enthralling because of the, the reaction between – Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. Um, it's just, it's mind boggling. It's mind blowing. Uh, however, getting back to my original point, I feel like the shows past the next generation, like um, Deep Space Nine, for instance, becomes more of a, like a socio-political sort of like Game of Thrones situation where you you are finding that these characters are now branching out and going through their character arcs and also it's in a way it's the the episodes feel like they're structured in such a way that you're finding that these characters are making a lot of their own decisions and a lot of decisions that drive the episode rather than you know necessarily a central character like yeah you have quark and um you have uh I don't know. I forget their names. I don't like it. I don't like that the, the the Deep Space Nine so much. But the point is, you're moving from a focus on 
what would be the journey of a central character. Um, and that's something I just really love about Star Trek, the original series. And there's like a simplicity that sort of forces you to get under its skin. You know, the, the original series had a lot of practical effects. And I, I, if you know me, I love practical effects. It's just, it's, it's so much different than computer generation these days. And I feel like that's a whole nother episode. I don't want to slide down that slide. You know what I mean? But the thing is, this, the old Star Trek, it felt more real because it was so kind of plain. It's kind of bland. If you if you watch it and you look at the set design, a lot of the set design, it fits and it puts you in suspension uh, or a suspension of belief rather. But the thing is, it's, it's not incredibly detailed. It's not just surfaces just aligned with buttons and stuff like sure control rooms. You'll find that in certain spots, but most of it's just barren. They use a lot of bright, bold primary colors to make these characters pop and put you in their situation more intellectually than, say, something like The Next Generation where you have just explosions or even the, the new stuff that has come out, Voyager. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't have an appeal to me because of that. I feel like they're taking, you know, spectacle over story you know, storytelling. And I feel like there's a deeper personal level to be gained leading into that. You know, my, one of my favorite all time favorite episodes of Star Trek, the original series would have to be an episode called the way to Eden. Um, it comes in season three, I believe, and definitely episode 20. I remember that because I always tried to find it and just couldn't find it for the life of me. Um, uh, it was aired in like 1969, I believe. Uh, the the official like uh, let's let's see the official summary for that episode is the Enterprise is host to some unruly guests, space hippies, in search of planetary paradise. Kirk has trouble maintaining order amongst the visitors, but Mister Spock seems strangely sympathetic towards them. Uh, directed by David Alexander. And the story was written by author Heinemann and DC Fontana, I believe, says here. And that, that episode, for me, encapsulates so much of the storytelling that I really enjoy in Star Trek, uh, the original series. Not only do you have that, that chemical, you know, just live performance you know, the, between Captain Kirk and Spock, but you have that driving into some of the most challenging situations for the character of Captain Kirk and his, his leadership of the Enterprise. And I think it's, it's very valuable to kind of dive into what made that episode so intriguing to me. And I'd love to share that with you guys. Um, it's in, in, you know, see, yeah, the episode is essentially a band of idealistic space hippies protesting the Federation lifestyle, you know, and that's why they want to find this planet is because, you know, they're, it's kind of, it's kind of an uncanny valley effect for me too, because they don't like all the Federation tech. They don't like feeling trapped, you know, in this sort of compact 
industrial wasteland, you know, uh, you they would see it as. And I kind of see that now in, in where we're headed and kind of how we are going forward into the future. You know, of course, Star Trek and the Federation, you know, they have they have wonders or marvels, you know. They it's it's so far in the future that they can accomplish so much. So it's like, what do you have to complain about? And, you know, that's part of the conflict of the story uh, in this particular episode. However, it's really something that these characters are feeling like outsiders in a place that is trying to make a better life and be more inclusive to those outsiders. You know, there's naturally some people that do not thrive in that sort of environment. And I could, that, that calls to me, you know, with our, with our time now, um, you know, so like the, the kind of peripheral conflict of the whole episode is sort of this Federation ideology uh, to expand and to move into civilizations and bring them and unite them instead of conquering them, you know, and obviously they have hiccups, but it's this sort of thing that these space hippies, they want their freedom. And it's not a lot of them. It's like six space hippies or something, but I'm sure there's, they're united under the, the teaching, you know, of the master. Uh, and they, they praise the one, but they are really trying to find this place called Eden. You know, it's, it's a sort of irony that, is named kind of after heaven, the book of Genesis, you know, the garden of Eden. Um, and it, you'll see why as I delve into kind of the structure of this episode, but you see that it's very indicative of uh, a want for more than is just given to you. A, a want for an inner peace that can't be, attained in a place so you know thriving with progress you know sometimes you need to take a little break you know i kind of feel that with these these idealistic space hippies you know because essentially they're trying to find this place but the the real like kicker the real central conflict is captain kirk is really trying to fight to maintain order on this ship and, and these people, they're, like, rebellious, but they're also the same way you'd kind of see, like, social justice warriors. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so social justice warriors. And, um, you know, just people who are adamant on protesting something that they're ignorant of. I mean, I'm not saying all social justice warriors are ignorant. I'm just vying to YouTube where... We see memes and clips and content that's tried to put in front of people's eyes and get them to really acknowledge this, just this, this whole thing. Uh, anyhow, I'm not trying to get political here. Um, just my, my point is these people carry this sort of ignorant, nonchalant, like, you know, stick it to the man sort of thing, you know, like, fuck the big guy. I don't, you know. I'm against the government sort of thing. And it's like, while they have their freedoms and their right to expression, Captain Kirk's like knows this 
And as he's trying to accept these people, you know, he, he is fighting internally with his role as captain. You know, he wants to be the empathetic, you know, Federation star child who wants to reach out to these civilizations and he wants to reach out to these people. Um, but at the same time, you know, they are so rebellious of his, his guidance that they are kind of acting childish and they're, they're putting this sort of childish ideology, you know, in defense of, you know, Captain Kirk's, you know, embrace. And it really challenges his sense of, you know, leadership and order of the enterprise because he is taking, he's taking these people and he's trying to, help them under the orders of the Federation. So he's already got that pressure on him from the Federation, you know, to help these people. But at the same time, you know, if, if they are of an ideology that is sickening to the crew and it, you know, directly threatens his ability to maintain order on the ship, then, you know, what, what do you choose? Are you the asshole? And you say, you know, no, you're wrong. You know, I, you know, whatever, you know, you're going to stay here. I don't care about your beliefs. Or do you say, you know, yes, let's try to work towards this goal that, you know, isn't really any choice of mine, you know? So it's like Kirk in this episode is really struggling to, maintain a type of order where he is still passionate about people in need. And so you take that into a sort of dramatic question. It's like, can, can Kirk maintain order aboard the Enterprise without sowing chaos amongst the crew and the passengers? And unfortunately, like, it really takes him to his breaking point. One of the peripheral conflicts um, is Chekhov. He he had a previous romance, I guess, when he was going through the Federation, you know, school or you know, uh, Starfleet, and he met this girl that was also becoming like a Starfleet scientist, and so he like essentially like fell in love with her. Um, and the importance of that is that, you know, something that has weighed on Chekhov is their separation. You know, once he left Starfleet, you know, she dropped out. So that was like devastating to him that he had to experience something that was in the future was her kind of rebellion against Starfleet, which to Chekhov felt like a real betrayal of what they had become, you know, and, and the time that they shared together. And so while at the same time, Captain Kirk is really struggling to bring together the crew and pacify the, the hippies in a, you know, respectful way, then, you know, it's Chekhov who's also struggling to maintain his emotions in a time where Captain Kirk needs him to pull it together. And that really speaks to like the hippies in general is like they, they are searching so, so passionately for this place, you know, called the Eden, this planet. 
And Captain Kirk and Spock are positive that this planet is only a myth. And, you know, of course, Spock gives his his wisdom, you know, to, to Kirk. And he's like, you know, it is possible that there is truths in myths. And, you know, that sort of speak like and he's, he's right. You know, there's sort of a half truth. So, you know, they they do oblige and try to search for this planet all the while, you know, the the space hippies leader their their teacher of ideology is quite literally insane you know he wants to go to this world um but he happens to be the carrier of like a deadly virus and that not only does that speak to our time now but it's interesting to think that he was a knowing candidate for this specific virus that could be easily fixed and treated in the Federation cities or spaceports. But like the, he wanted to bring that sort of contamination to another place, a place that he thought, you know, was perfect. And the thing is like, it drew upon him this sort of insanity more than just ego, but the idea that, you know, to, at all cost, should I find peace? You know, but if it's at all cost, then inevitably you won't find peace if you find yourself to the brink of forcing yourself to find this peace. And yeah, and it's it's the sort of irony, as uh, you know, it's dramatic irony that you know the space hippies, you know, in search of their life and of freedom and tranquility on this planet Eden. You know, un- unbeknownst to them, when they get there, is some far worse than, you know, Federation totality. You know, it's it's a poison planet. It's acidic. It's, it's horrible, this planet that they go to. They find Eden. Eden is real. Of course, Spock comes in clutch, finds that planet, and they go to it. But they're, they're in orbit, and the hippies escape. You know, they get their chance finally by kind of subduing the crew with their ideology, pushing, you know, Kirk to his breaking point. But Kirk, you know, obviously has to act in an ordered way and he has to take the responsible thing, you know, and wait it out or, you know, go. But the space hippies end up finding their Eden and the planet is beautiful, like tragically beautiful because everything you touch you know, turns you to fire, sort of. It's just this acidic, horrible planet. And their leader, who had finally gotten down there, you know, had led his people in quite insanely to a place of death. And he, you know, like, ironically, he does take a bite of an apple, and that apple kills him. Instead of giving him life, Uh, You know, though Eve betrayed God, and I'm not religious here, so I'm I'm not trying to quote specifically, but even though Eve took the bite of the apple, she was expanded in knowledge. She knew, you know, the idea of duality, you know. And with that, she was opened up to life. As of here, it's... The leader, the teacher, he knows that what he is teaching and what he wants is 
you know, the end goal of death. But it's he's convinced himself so much that he would rather he would rather die than give up his ideology. And so, you know, while he does die in the conclusion of the episode, you know, his his disciples, some who apparently, you know, fortunately didn't perish, they are taken up and they in, in that instance, in that instance in the abyss, do they see the 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 benefit of the Federation and a place, you know, that they do have that is protection. And I feel like I really tried to slog myself through this podcast. Um, as my return, you know, I've, I'm glad I, I did something and I'll be doing this more often. Definitely. Um, I'll try to upload on consistent schedule, but I think that story is really something to think about. And if you haven't watched the original Star Trek, please, please, please watch the original Star Trek. It's so good. So good. You will not be disappointed. If you are, you love spectacle more than you love story because there's something deep and special about these Star Trek episodes. Um, Specifically, watch The Way to Eden. Find what I'm talking about. You know, try to figure out what the dramatic question is. Try to try to find, you know, what the central conflict is that I'm talking about. You know, try to identify the peripheral conflicts. You know, it's very important to see kind of what's going on underneath. It helps reveal what's going on centrally, too. You know, um, and experience that that irony. Because it's, it's, a, it's a strange episode. It's a strange trip, you know, to the edge of the cosmos. But it's really something. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this podcast. I'll start uploading on a consistent schedule. So maybe you'll see this every night. Um, and I just want to say thanks. Thanks to anybody who listens all the way through. You know, I'll try to tighten up my podcast, but I also want to keep it in a sort of forum where it's a casual as well. Um, and if you can drop me any messages, let me know you know, kind of in the vein of Star Trek or science fiction, science fantasy, let me know what you want to watch or, you know, let me know what you watch. Let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about, explore, Um, because, you know, I love storytelling. There's nothing better than science fantasy, science fiction. And I just want to keep rocking it. So thanks.